Carrie had often dreamed about coming back. In her dreams, she was 12 years old again, short, scratched legs in red socks and scuffed brown sandals, walking along the narrow dirt path at the side of the railway line to where it plunged down off the high ridge through the Druid's Grove. The yew trees in the grove were dark green and so old that they had grown twisted and lumpy, like arthritic fingers. And in Carrie's dream, the fingers reached out for her, plucking at her hair and her skirt as she ran. She was always running by the end of this dream, running away from the house, uphill towards a railway line. But when she did come back with her own children, the railway line had been closed. The sleepers had been taken up and the flat, stony top of the ridge was so overgrown with blackberries and wild rose and hazelnut bushes that it was like pushing through a forgotten forest in a fairy tale. The tangled wood round Sleeping Beauty's castle. Pulling off the sticky brambles that clung to their jeans, Carrie's children said, No one's been here for hundreds of years. Not hundreds, thousands. A hundred thousand years, a million, billion, trillion. Only about thirty. Carrie said. She spoke as if this was no time at all. I was here, with Uncle Nick, 30 years ago, during the war, when England was at war with Germany. The government sent the children out of the city so they shouldn't be bombed. We weren't told where we were going, just told to turn up at our schools with a pack lunch and a change of clothes. Then we went to the station with our teachers. There were whole trainloads of children sent away like that. Without their mummies, the little ones said. Without their dads. Oh, quite alone, Carrie said. I was eleven when we first came here, and Uncle Nick was going on ten. Uncle Nick was old. He had been old for years and grown so fat in the stomach that he puffed when he stooped. The thought of him being ten years old made the children want to giggle, but they bit the giggles back. Their mother was looking so strange, eyes half closed and dreaming. They looked at her pale, dreaming face and said nothing. Carrie said, Nick and I used to walk from the town along the side of the railway. It was quite safe, not like an electrified line, and there weren't many trains anyway, only two or three a day, and they came dead slow round the bend in case there were sheep on the track. When there were, the engine driver would stop the train and get out of his cab and shoo them off, and sometimes he'd wait so that everyone could get down from the carriages and stretch their legs and pick blackberries before they set off again. Nick and I never saw that, but people said it often happened. They were specially good blackberries here, easy to reach and not dusty like at the side of a road. When they were ripe, Nick and I used to pick some to eat on the way. Not many. We were always in too much of a hurry to see Johnny go to bed and Hepzibah Green. Go to bed? Yes, just like that, Carrie said. Go to bed. She smiled. A remembering smile, half happy, half sad. Waiting for her to go on, the children looked at each other. Carrie was good at stories, but sometimes she stopped in the middle and had to be prodded. People don't have names like that, the oldest boy said to encourage her. Not real life, ordinary people. Oh, Johnny Gotobed and Hepzibah were real, all right, Carrie said. But they weren't ordinary, any more than Albert was. Albert Sandwich, our friend who lived with them. Lived where? There were no houses in sight. The wooded mountain rose on one side of the old railway track and fell steeply away on the other. No sound of people, either. No cars, no aeroplanes, not even a tractor. Only a pigeon or two in the trees and sheep, buying below in the valley. Druid's bottom, Carrie said. She looked slyly at the children and laughed when they laughed. 
It was really called the house in the valley where the yew trees grow, but that's a bit of a mouthful, even in Welsh, so everyone called it Druid's Bottom because it was at the bottom of the grove. No one knows about Druids, really, the oldest boy said importantly. All that mistletoe and human sacrifice stuff, that's just legend. There's always a reason for legends, Carrie said. It was certainly a sacred grove of some sort, some old religion, bad or good, I don't know. But it had a queer feeling. You'll see for yourselves when we get there. There's a spring that was supposed to have healing powers in the remains of what might have been an Iron Age temple. At least, Albert said so.